0: You're listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and
1: Matt Robotham.
0: Episode 168, covering The Maquis, Part 2, and The Wire, with Amanda Smith. Friends, it's time once again for that old post-atomic horror.
1: Yup, and here we is.
0: Here we is with my wife. Wife Amanda is here.
1: From the other room, it's
0: Amanda.
2: I think you'll find you're you my husband.
0: Ah yes, you did you did go a little Keiko on me this week when you when you yelled at me for not putting stew in front I of you.
2: I shamed you for Ugh. not making me stew.
0: Well, stew? Did I did I shame my family? You did. I bring shame to my family.
2: You do by not making uh, stew. Unto mm.
1: fourteen hundred ge- generations.
0: I think my family brings shame upon itself just fine without me. <laughs> Take that, people no one's ever met.
1: (laughs) Never will met.
0: Never will met.
1: I've met them. I've met them and that's it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) This is why we bring you on the show, because you you have great turns of phrase like never will met.
1: Never will met.
0: Yes. Can't wait to hear your summary.
2: This is my design.
0: Did you... I've I've been doing this lately. I've been asking the guests if you pick these particular episodes for any reason. Was this just, oh, there's a hole, or did you...
2: This was a... Usually my appearances are when there's a hole in the schedule, because I'm difficult to schedule in.
0: Right. Well, I did have to get you up.
2: Yes, I had to get up before the crack of noon to do this. It is yes. it is a
0: weekend, and and because it is your design to sleep until, you know...
1: I should be in a coma. The,
0: the break-a-break-a-noon, <laughs> as the hip-hop say. <laughs> the hippity-hoppers. Yes, the rappy pants.
2: But I... Both of these are pretty Cardassian heavy episodes. This I is a, love the Cardassian. This yeah. is a
0: crazy Cardassian. Like, the main character in both of these episodes is not one of the main ensemble. They're both, like, spotlight on a secondary Cardassian character. A yep.
2: handsome secondary Cardassian character.
0: Really, are you are you going on the record as saying that you think uh, Gul Dukat is handsome?
1: Do you have Cardassian fever?
2: Well, you know, I like evil men. So there you go.
0: Huh. All right. Well, you you're not the first to admit that.
2: No, but uh I got a thing for evil. Yeah, oh, pure So evil. What does that say about you?
0: Um I don't know. You married
1: below your station. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I bring shame to my family for not being evil enough.
1: Yep. <laughs>
2: You just wait. The next uh, genocidal murderer that walks by, I am gone like that.
0: Well,
1: That or noticed... she'll sh- Lady MacBeth you. Yeah.
0: I-, I notice when we're out in public and a genocidal murderer walks by, you're always like, hey, who's that? And I'm like, over here, look at me.
1: Yeah, 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 whatever. It- say, is that Pol Pot?
2: <laughs> Damn.
1: Do you even know who Pol Pot is? I do, actually. Oh, okay. We did a play on him back in high school. I I, I did a play with him. <laughs> yes. Yes. Genocidal maniac, consummate professional.
2: We did a steamy romance scene. Maybe that's where it comes from.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We did a performance of Hamlet, and he let us borrow one of the skulls from his mountain of skulls. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of people I wish were dead, (laughs) let's talk about the Maquis. Oh. All right, here we go. Last time on the Post-Atomic Horror. See you, folks. And now, the conclusion. We pick up with Cisco, Kira, and Bashir being held at phaser point by these glistening stars of three different Trek series, the Maquis. Cal Hudson, Ben's best friend that we'd never met or heard of before last week, takes them on a walk and talk through the lush potted plant foliage of planet hell. <laughs> while Kira and Bashir just hang back, continuing to have phasers pointed at them. Then, because the set is only about 20 feet long, they loop back around and stun all three of our guys and send them back home. Sisko returns home to find Admiral Necheyev, yes, THAT Admiral Necheyev, waiting to be a bitch at him. Well, it's nice to see that she doesn't just have it out for Picard. Meanwhile, Odo is holding Quark. I mean, in a holding cell. Stop shipping Odo and Quark, you weirdo. Turns out he got sloppy in his arms dealing and got arrested. So naturally, the instant he's deprived of his freedom, he spills everything he knows about the Maquis and the hot Vulcan they sent to deal with him. Sisko mounts a rescue of Gul Dukat from the Maquis, this time bringing, I don't know, Bashir and Odo, why not? And they're successful. They arrest the Maquis, but let one of them go to send a warning to Cal, because anyone who's followed this story knows that a well-placed warning is all it's going to take to push this guy to abandon his <laughs> principles. Mm-hmm. Ducat, meanwhile, proves his worth as part of the team, successfully threatening a ship carrying weapons to the Maquis, a ship controlled by the Zeppelite people of Led Zeppelin IV. Oh, and the lead Zeppelite is played <laughs> by our favorite Zorn, the Groppler. Woo! Uh, Cisco confronts Cal for, I don't know, the 20th time, and shockingly, Cal still won't back down. So, Cisco prepares for one final showdown, pitting their shitty little shuttles against the Maquis' equally shitty little fighters. The resulting dogfight is relatively slow paced, says Memory Alpha, and remember, Memory Alpha is written by nerds who love Star Trek. This is a generous description of what is easily the most boring space battle in Star Trek history. Also, you will be stunned to learn that Cisco and Cal face off one final time via view screen, and Cal betrays Ben one final time by swearing his allegiance to the Mulletty Rebel cause du jour and flying off into the sunset. Man, if only we'd had a chance to catch that guy. <laughs> this one, I, Matt, apparently you liked this one better than the first one. I, thought I did were, like it
1: better than the first one. I thought, <laughs> if you'll recall, I thought the first one was very dull. I I was uh, on board. I, I think
0: Flonk thought it was, like, well above average. I thought it was slightly above average.
1: I certainly wouldn't go that far.
2: Every time that it wasn't just Ben and Gul hanging out and being friends.
0: Yeah, but that was, was, like, half the episode.
2: I was, I, my attention wandered. I didn't care about any of the rest of it.
0: No, I I don't know. Quark and the Vulcan was okay. Yeah, I enjoyed that. there There were some good character moments. It's just the overall plot is something we didn't care about. And I feel like because this is the chronological first appearance of the Maquis, we're kind of projecting what we know about them from Next Gen and Voyager, and it's kind of like we're being a little unfair. I mean, we can't help it.
1: Yeah, I'm fine with that, though.
0: But the Maquis aren't as terrible... In these two episodes, as they will be in other things.
2: I just don't feel bad for them. Like, I feel bad for the Bajorans. They suffered. There was nothing they could do. They were stuck on that planet with evil overlords. The Maquis have every opportunity to go someplace else where everything will be fine. See, that issue
0: doesn't come up in this episode, though. It comes up, Picard tells them that later in Next Gen.
2: But it comes up pretty soon.
0: It does, but in <clears> this... they they
1: do they do mention it when Cisco's talking to Kira. In oh, do they? Yeah. The, uh, it's 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 uh, it's only a little bit, but when uh, he's talking about how they have the option to leave, and then she pulls out the well, we didn't. Right. And, and all I can think is, no, I know that's why you're different. Right. And
2: that's why I feel bad for the Bajorans. There was nothing they could do. They had mm. to get their planet back because there was no place else for them to go. Right. Yeah. These are. Citizens of the Federation—they are—they—they they are protected by Starfleet. They could get on the Enterprise, yeah, the uh, the, sh- the shuttle bus, and the fire, the fire
0: to, truck, yeah, yeah,
2: and go to a veritable Eden where mm-hmm. all of their stuff could be made completely identically. Everything could be exactly the same, except probably better.
0: Yep. yep. No, they—they they even like we've had at least one story, I think two, where an entire population was kidnapped snuck to a new planet and and plopped back down, and they couldn't even tell the difference. Yeah. Because there's so many habitable planets, you can just do that and just put them on another planet where everything's exactly the same.
2: Yeah. Yeah, in the Star Trek world, there's just every planet... Yeah, Class nice M planets are
0: fucking a dime a dozen.
2: Yeah.
1: And, you know...
2: And they have the ability to magically create matter out of nothing.
0: Right.
1: Mm-hmm. So... There's... There's just, there's no reason to want this one planet.
0: No, that... the the original setup was the Next Gen episode with the, the Space Indians, mm. with the Indian tribe that left Earth and went to another planet. And I saw, like, that was a flimsy parallel because they were Indians who were on Earth, and, like, it was so obvious what they were doing. But at least they were there for a few generations. These guys appear to have just moved to this planet, and they, now they have to leave.
2: They couldn't have been there for 10 years. Like, they right. haven't... It's not like their children grew up there or something. It's, yeah. Uh...
0: I mean, even still, I mean, I don't know. None of us are really of a particular family bent. None of us particularly care about no. children's legacy and whatever. So no. maybe we can't relate to the aspect of we have roots here.
1: Yeah, I don't care about that. But Just they don't have go roots else. here.
0: Well, right. But I mean, I think they that's... They have very a,
1: short roots That's here.
0: supposed <laughs> to be the argument is this is our home and this matters to us and we built this ourselves.
1: Well, you know what? Home is where the heart is. Go find a heart. I'm sure Live the Cardassians have some. Yeah,
0: I mean, Star- Starfleet Medical can just make you a heart. Like they, yeah. they Picard had one. It's just a, a little like valvy thing. It's easy. I like the
1: idea of them building a colony on a giant heart.
0: Yep. Well, <laughs> it's more structurally sound than building it on rock and roll. That's true. That's for damn sure.
2: What about on sweaters and mullets?
0: Uh, the sweaters I think you'll find also belong to the Cardassians. <laughs> yep, so. they got a lot of sweaters. Yep.
2: maybe that's why they wanted to take this uh, air, this land so badly. It's full of sweaters.
0: They they do it's like a a rich sweater lands, mines. So. Yeah, well, everyone on Cardassia is a, a tailor, as far as I know. Yep. yep.
2: A simple tailor.
0: Yes. A Simple tailor
1: who never did nothing to nobody.
0: Right.
2: And as Matt said, each tailor is more simple than the last.
0: Right. <laughs> that that logic makes sense.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this. Episode did seem pretty clothes focused.
0: Uh well, that was my bad thing. We had the oh god t- yes, incredibly clumsy symbolism of Cal's uniform, <laughs> where he deliberately like had it there in the woods with him. And I love
1: that. That's my favorite thing about this. He just carried episode. it around
0: with him, and then Cisco carries it around with him everywhere he goes, so he can throw it back in his face. He gets a it.
1: satchel. Yeah,
0: oh, look, yep. I've got your pants. Do you want your pants back? Come on, buddy, put them back on. No, Ben, I told you, no. <laughs> just, like, wh- and and then he vaporizes them. He literally yep. points a phaser at his uniform and blows it up to to indicate, to symbolize.
2: Is that even a symbol?
0: That he's not in Starfleet anymore.
2: Isn't that an actual?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's about as literal as you can get.
1: <laughs> that's okay, I can just use a replicator to make you some new pants. <laughs>
0: Just, just chase him I, around space with his pants. I just
1: picture Cal going back to his uh, his quarters one night. He opens the closet and just piles and piles of pants fall out <laughs> on him,
2: like the Tribble scene.
1: Yes, <laughs> he's just buried in pants. Oh, Ben was here,
0: <laughs> or there'll be no pants at all. <laughs> but that was—I mean, there there was some stuff to like in this. I didn't dislike it any more than I disliked the first part. I thought they were they were all right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that particular thread I thought was just. Just awful.
1: That particular pants thread. Yes, the thread of the pants. If
0: you pull that thread, those pants just fall completely apart.
1: <laughs> well, they should have gotten uh, Garrick to build them.
0: Did I just write a Weezer song? <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> the uh, the the producers or one of the writers or one of the one of the main brains behind the show said that this two parter sort of helped clearly define like the darkness of the political situation in, in DS9. Mm-hmm. Like this was the big sort of defining, this is what our show is about. And I can see that. That's oh, actually
2: yeah. sort of my good thing.
0: Well, yeah, the, the the whole situation surrounding your good thing is what defines what yeah. this guy sees as the show. So what mm-hmm. what was that?
2: Well, uh, Cisco's talking to Kira. And Kira looks so happy in this because everyone's all mad about everything and they're all agreeing with her about Finally, we're on the
0: same page
1: against the Cardassians. (laughs) Just like I've been saying. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting and you guys finally get it.
2: And um, uh, Ben's just like railing and saying, you know what? It's really easy to be a good guy, to be a saint on Earth where everything's easy and there's no problems. But out in the real world where these guys live, it sucks and they can't be perfect. They just have to get through the day.
0: And that's a great way to not contradict Gene's vision, vision, vision. Like, to say, humans are great and everything's fine. But at the same time, also deal with darkness. Like, I think that's what the show did well. Like, it gets criticism for contradicting Gene's vision, but it didn't. Like, it it still says everything's perfect for humans as long as you're in the safe place. Yeah. But out in the frontier, things are still awful and dark and people are killing each other. Yeah,
2: and mm-hmm. other, other races don't act the same way as the perfect, perfect human race. Right. And when you take the perfect, perfect human race out of their veritable Eden, they act like jerks. Just yep. like Adam and Eve. See what mm-hmm. I mean there? No. Uh No. Nope.
1: There's some kind of a metaphor. Or maybe a simile.
2: <laughs> it's an actual. Uh.
0: Is that what we're calling it now? An mm-hmm. actual?
2: That's what I'm calling it. Very well. That right. phrase. My
0: brain was like Adam. Wait, there was a character named Adam. Wait, no, that was when we watched House of Cards last night. Different no. show. You're
1: thinking of Adam West.
2: Oh no, my House of Cards. <laughs> this
0: this delicate House of Cards will fall around me. Sorry, different show, different podcast. I I'm not doing a podcast about House of Cards. <laughs> Uh, so, for one uh, thing, only
1: like 12 episodes. Uh, no, there's
0: like 26 now. Oh, good Could for that. a them.
2: short podcast.
0: Well, yes. I mean, we've done hundreds of episodes of, of Star Trek at this point. Yeah. Which every time I stop and think about it, it's like, Jesus. We've hundreds, done hundreds of thousands. Of, yeah. No, I don't like. <laughs> tone it down there, Carl Sagan. Hundreds no. millions. I'm billions I'm Carl and millions. Billions of Carl Sagan. <laughs> Speaking of sweaters. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, Amanda, what was your bad thing?
2: Um, didn't think the guy who played Cal was a bad actor. I didn't think that... The Matt ac- did. I know Matt did. I
1: agree. <laughs> you, <laughs> you agree <really>? with Matt. <laughs> yes. That Matt of the past had a good point. I don't yeah, think- Bender's right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think that the actor was the problem. I think it was the writing i think that the connection between them was really forced uh, i mean they kept saying oh he's my very best friend we have this connection but we didn't see any of that it was a lot of tell not show and i think um there wasn't really any evidence that they were friends well it's they, hard they, to they, have
0: any stakes when we don't or not invested in the character which is what yeah. we always say about rebels
2: yeah and we it would have been more powerful if this was a guy we'd met before I mean yeah. we've, we've met some of Cisco's friends from the past before but usually when you just plunk a guy we've never seen in before and we're expected to care about him it doesn't work it does sometimes
0: well when the Klingons showed up with Dax Mm-hmm. They were characters that on this show we'd never seen before, we'd never seen them connected to Dex before, and they did a really good job of establishing that she had a history with them.
1: But here's the thing, that entire episode was devoted around building up that friendship. I mean, yeah. like, they don't even go on their, their quest into the last ten minutes. Yeah, that's true. That, the whole episode is just, we are friends. Right. Like... If they wanted to do that here, they should, the first, ep, the, the Maquis part one should have been entirely about Cal and Cisco's friendship.
0: Yeah, and most of it, like, they, I think we had one scene where they're catching up. Yeah. And talking like, about Sisko wearing lederhosen.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he fucking, he heads back to Maquis planet at the halfway point in that episode.
0: Yep.
2: Yeah, the first episode was really more about uh, Sisko and Dukat's relationship than it was about anything else. Yeah.
0: Well, and, and the overall political situation, like, like one of you mentioned how, Cisco acts very differently than Picard would. Like this is not his best oh God. arena.
2: He's so bad at being a diplomat. He just comes off as being sort of like indecisive. But and that's the great thing about Cisco is usually he is decisive. He sticks a plan and he goes right, with. Right, but it. he
0: can't be because any like one false move and there's a new war and nobody yeah. wants that. And he's the guy responsible for not starting a war. And so he's got to tiptoe and he's not a great tiptoe he's
2: really bad at it and that's probably why he carries those pants around with him do <laughs> you understand these pants
1: it's, those are his tiptoe pants yeah
0: it's like when you when you give a speech and you're supposed to start with a joke like when you when you're a diplomat you're supposed to start with some pants
1: mm-hmm.
0: i guess i don't get gi- the gift of pants yep give the gift of pants
1: in their teedro bag <laughs>
0: Tidro actually, our our friend Tidro, I don't think she's been on this show before, but, uh, uh, but no, fr- a friend of the show, has been on our other podcast and, and is a good friend to all of us, uh, made, well, she made uh, uniforms, DS9 style uniforms for Fair. herself awesome. and for Amanda for our upcoming uh, Emerald City appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also she made a little uh, bag, a little tote bag that looks like a Starfleet uniform.
2: So that she can carry her stuff around.
0: Yeah. Her which is fantastic. I, I thought that was delightful. Um and and Cisco's bag didn't look that cool. No. Like, you know, at least I mean, he looked like he was carrying a little purse. Yes, he did. <laughs> with pants in it. Maybe
2: yeah, his pants some, purse. Maybe he should get some tight hipster ballet pants to carry a little <laughs> purse around with him.
0: He's he's in the brotherhood of traveling pants. So it's okay.
2: Maybe those pants are like that bear that you're supposed to take around with you and take pictures of different places. or like Oh, right. Friendly.
0: Right. No, the flat. Yeah, flat. Right. Yeah, that's it. Flat pantsley. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I had to beat Matt to that one.
1: Uh the worst part is no. I didn't, it didn't even occur to me.
0: Uh-huh. Now you're not even doing them anymore. It, I've, it's worked. Yeah. I win.
1: Yeah, but now you have to do them. This Aww. is a Cardassian plot. Yep. It's like really I passed the curse to on to you. <laughs>
0: Uh, what was your good thing?
1: Ah, uh, there's this. Uh, there's another great scene with uh Quark and that Vulcan in jail. Oh yeah. I love Quark has this great little speech about uh, what you're willing to pay for peace, mm-hmm. and how their her reaction is I'm well will pay whatever it takes. It's like well then you're overpaying because right now peace is cheap. Yep. You can you can get out of this really easy. It's, it's
0: exactly what we've been saying. Yeah. And he also mixes in a little of, of Flonk's big point last week, which is being a terrorist is illogical. Yeah. Which is nice. He called her out on, on being a Vulcan, and this doesn't really work with your philosophy.
2: So the hot Vulcan chick agrees with Flonk.
1: Yes. Yep. It's what he's always wanted.
0: Yep. So To in, be right,
1: and to be right with a hot Vulcan.
0: And so in three centuries, Flonk, you will be vindicated.
1: <laughs> yes. So look forward to that.
0: Yes. When you're long dead. <laughs> Well, maybe he's on a sleeper ship. A lot, of, a lot of people from our century end up on sleeper ships. If he
1: wanted to be on a sleeper ship, he should have done it back in nineteen ninety-three.
0: Oh, that's true. During the during the eugenics wars. Yes, as we we'll all, all remember when we all fought Eugene.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Eugene.
2: <laughs> I don't want to fight Eugene Levy. I think he's funny.
0: No, Eugene Roddenberry.
2: Oh,
1: I'm okay with fighting Eugene. Eugene Levy.
0: <laughs> Are you?
2: Yeah.
0: All right. What do you got against SCTV, Matt? A lot.
2: Well, it's not
1: funny. No. All right. <laughs> That's to start.
0: Eugene Levy was in the uh, Christopher Guest's uh, stable, though, and he, he co-writes all those improv movies. Like I, That's true. He's, he's good. I like That's that.
1: the one thing he's got going for him.
0: Which is like five movies. Mm-hmm. So it's five But movies. he was
1: also in The Man with Samuel L. Jackson.
0: Yeah, but Samuel L. Jackson, I don't even know what that is, but he was in it, so it can't be that. Well, never mind.
2: <laughs> Sandwich.
0: Yeah. He is, he is the quintessential sandwich actor. That is true. We forget before he signed a 19-movie deal with Marvel that he would take whatever, you know, whatever <coughs> Only thing 14
1: of in. those movies are out already, though.
0: Yeah, I know. i The funny thing, is, I think it was actually nine movies that he signed for, and when he did it, we were all like, oh, my, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And, mm-hmm. like, a year ago, I'm like, I hope he signs another contract.
1: We're running out. Yeah.
0: Anyway. Um no, that was a that was a good speech that Quark had and it was yeah. it was interesting to, to look at the situation through the prism of, you know, Ferengi philosophy of, of uh, you know, profit of you know but it the wasn't, cost of things. It
2: wasn't the the you know, oh Ferengi are greedy and bad thing no. either. It was like, oh yeah, I guess I could sort of see how this would work as yeah. a civilization. You do the thing that's you do something while it's easiest not while you feel like it
0: right no that's basic like economic theory yeah. you you buy when it's cheap and you sell when it's not cheap like that's mm. you know
2: but that seems like a way to that you're probably gonna end up with a reasonably peaceful society
0: yeah i mean very very um competitive yeah but but overall, you know, it, no, it's it, the show's doing a nice job of painting how this culture works instead yeah. of just being yeah. a broad stereotype. It's like, no, this would actually like day to day actually work sort of like uh, they did with the Klingons mm-hmm. where initially it was like, really, they're just a warrior that uh, they would kill each other. That's it. That, that,
2: that doesn't work. It. And then no. they bring
0: in the honor thing is like, oh, I see. OK, they've they got actually, a
1: whole
2: uh, they actually do the same thing with the Cardassians where they yeah. like you'd think, oh, this terrible Orwellian culture i mean how could that work how could that how could that work but it they show no like it actually works pretty good mm. yeah. it's not a, it's not ideal for someone from no here, and but in
0: in this episode and in the other one we get some glimpses into the way things work on cardassia and in this one we get the reveal that uh the way trials work is uh the state arrests you because you're guilty mm. and then your trial details why you're guilty and then you get executed
2: it's comforting
0: yes, yes. Everyone can believe it's in the, of the state
1: good way. of the Cardassian people, right?
2: And the people of Bajor,
0: right? We've Most always, especially
1: the people of Bajor.
0: We've always been at war with space, space East Asia. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's super like just somebody read 1984 and, and like somebody left a copy of 1984 on a planet and they built you know their yep. culture around it.
2: <laughs> but it kind of worked out.
0: Yeah, it it well for now. For now. And <laughs> that's why, I'm not, that's why the... I'm not hinting at things we don't know about yet. I'm saying they've already mentioned on the show that things are kind of not great for everybody there. But mm. it
2: worked. I mean, they became a superpower yeah. in in space, and their civilization has been working for thousands of years. But in so... a couple of
0: Cardassian episodes we have, they've already mentioned that the military runs everything, and not everyone's happy about that. Well, no, there's that Cardassian
1: Underground that we briefly heard about. Right.
0: That, before that. it
1: was quashed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we don't know that
1: it was probably quash
0: quark's quark's still waiting for her she's gonna come back you know any day now yeah she's she, you know he's just looking at a picture of her every day and sighing wistfully waiting, waiting on,
1: on her
2: until the next strong opinionated chick comes along yeah i Vulcan.
0: believe that i yeah. believe
1: we're already on another strong opinionated chick now
0: yep and and there'll be more i'm sure in the
1: future yep uh what he was does, your bad he, he does have a type
0: he definitely has a type what was your bad thing?
1: All right, so like I, said, I like this one better than the uh, part one. You know, mm-hmm. we still got this stupid whiny monkey, but it's better episode. Um, all that being said, we also have the return of Admiral Nechev, whom <laughs> I hate, uh, and who is only around for about a minute and uses that minute to insult my favorite character. Fuck you, Admiral Nechev.
2: Yay!
0: The thing is, she was against Picard because he was a Borg, and they're fighting the Borg, and she's like, I don't trust you, but she's just a bitch to everybody. I
2: love her. I'm gonna be her when I grow up. Why? Because I'm gonna go from space station to space station, making people feel bad.
0: For what purpose? And stealing tea. (laughs) And
2: stealing tea. And crumpets. tea and crumpet bribes. Yep. (laughs) That sounds awesome!
1: (laughs) You're a unique person, Amanda. I don't know if anyone's ever told you that. (laughs)
0: And then you'll you'll travel around with your with your despot uh, genocidal husband. Yay. She just threw her arms up as well. Like that was, I that believe was a full on gay. It's all she
1: ever wanted.
0: Yep. I cannot give her what she wants. <laughs> you married a pacifist, you know that.
1: Opposites
2: attract.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Paula Abdul. Does that wait, does does that, that make makes me you a, uh,
1: MC Scat cat? I, yeah. Apparently
0: I'm MC Scat cat. That
1: yeah, could be worse.
0: Or Keanu Reeves. I always confuse the uh the videos for uh, "Opposites of Track and "Rush Rush," which had Keanu Reeves in it.
1: It's okay because MC Scat Cat gets to do all the fun stuff. Right. He gets to smoke and um, stay up all late, all night,
0: and and travel in time with Bill S. Preston Esquire in a phone yes. booth. Right. So, also, good he's thing the which one. we barely which we barely touched on yet is yes. Ducat. Yay. This is a Ducat episode, like all the other characters, except maybe Cisco, sort of take a back seat. Like I think O'Brien has one line, Dax has yep. one line. Ducat is the main character of this of this episode of this two parter, but especially this one. And we've talked about how certain ones have helped define different characters, like we had Dax sort of fixed into episodes. Yeah, this is where like Ducat's been around before, but this is really where we get the Ducat that we remember from having seen the series before, like. Without really spoiling anything, he's always in this gray area. You think he's a bad guy? Maybe he's got a point. Yeah, and and this is where we start to get that nice gray area where it's like we can see where he's coming from. We feel a little bad for him because he was framed. Like at one point, the Cardassian government says, "Uh, Ducat's providing the weapons." Yeah,
1: and, like, and he looks he looks so upset when Cisco tells him to. Yeah, he's just he's legitimately like, oh.
0: Well, he gives he he tells him about the way trials work, and he gives yeah. this little speech about how Cardassians are never uh, are never wrong about anything. Yeah. And then Cisco lays that on him. It's like, oh shit! <laughs> I just oh, told man. him we can't be mistaken, so I guess I must be guilty.
1: You've hoisted me by my own Picard. <laughs>
0: oh, terrible! Wait, wasn't that when Picard was tortured by that other Cardassian? Yes, when he was hoisted up by his own he was Picard. Hoisted. Yes.
2: Like, so much Coriolanus.
0: Yes. That's a reference nobody will get.
2: <laughs> Whatever, it's uh, Star Trek. Star Trek loves Shakespeare.
0: Well, that's true. And Matt loves Shakespeare, too.
1: One of those things isn't that entirely accurate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, we watched this movie that had shirtless Tom Hiddleston in it. That's fine. So you would have liked that.
1: Was he a Shakespeare? Yes. Did someone sa- stab him with a Shakespeare?
0: He was <laughs> his, his name had anus in it.
1: Yep, that anus. Oh, well, that's all right, then.
0: Yep. Um, but no, the Dukat is just like, like he's been this sort of conniving guy that we need to watch our back around, but this is the first time we sort of get an idea that maybe there's more to him than that. And yep. I, I'd love that. And the actor carries it so completely. And it's, there, there's several scenes where like Cisco's trying to do his thing as, as you pointed out, Amanda, not very well, his diplomatic thing. And uh, Ducat's like, just shoot them. Like, that's how I would do it. This is
1: so much easier than you're making it.
2: They're having a standoff where uh, Sisko and his guys are like, we don't want to fight you, but we will. And then the Maquis are like, well, we don't want to fight you, but we're going to have to. And Dukat's like, oh, for God's sakes. And then he bashes the Vulcan girl in the face. Yep. And <laughs> it's like, there we go. Done. Shoot them.
0: And and at the end where Cisco has his 17th face-off with Cal, where for some reason, neither of them makes any headway with the other. Mm-hmm. Again.
1: Well, the problem is Cal didn't bring any pants of his own.
0: Oh well, yeah. If he'd
1: had some pants to show Cisco, they might have had some to talk about. But well, then
0: they would have pants. fought on even ground that
1: way. Yes, right,
0: pants ground. But uh, Ducat the whole time is, "What are you doing? Shoot him!"
2: Why aren't you shooting him?
0: You could be shooting him right now. It's it's just fantastic. And and there's actually a point where he, um, intimidates uh, the, uh, the 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 middlemen, the the alien suppliers Gropplers of Zorn. the weapons, Groppler's Zorn.
1: Yay. Michael
0: Bell again, who may have the record of like most different alien races played in Star Trek, because this is like the fourth time we've seen. And yet him. he's
1: always pleading with
0: someone. Yep. <laughs> good, good, uh,
2: good alien makeup too. It wasn't just it was. like bumpy forehead stuff.
0: No, it was it was creepy, slimy looking yeah. stuff. But yeah. um, there, there's a great scene that was almost my quote, where Ducat, like Cisco's trying to negotiate, he's not getting anywhere. Ducat just sort of pushes him aside and takes over, and he's like, "You have ten seconds to comply." Well we're not gonna nine, eight, okay, I'll do it. Seven,
1: stop counting Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, please, I'm sorry
0: Dives <laughs> under the table.
1: Cisco's like, wait, does two come <laughs> out?
0: That's uh, why that tactic doesn't work mm-hmm. for him.
1: Why is he counting up? I don't understand.
0: <laughs> You're not supposed to give him more time. <laughs> But that was that was a good line.
1: Oh, I, and then
2: Dukat looks so smug when it works.
0: Yeah, he mm-hmm. gives
2: Kira look over his shoulder, like.
0: <laughs> yep. You see that? Yeah. Of course, Kira probably would have threatened the guy too. Probably. Oh yeah. She's the whole time. She's like a dog on a leash, like waiting yeah. to, to to do threat. something, and and they won't let her do anything.
1: <laughs> she just doesn't want Cisco to be condescending at her again.
0: Right. Well, it's not her fight. The thing is, she's like so like I I have in my notes a couple of times. Fucking dial it down. Like she's mm. so ready to be a militant, and it's like this has nothing to do with you. This is the Federation and Rebel Federation guys, and the Cardassians. No Bajorans are involved in this at all. Yeah, well, the
1: thing but is, she, she feels
2: for them because she like, I know, her but people went through this, except that her people they, couldn't leave. It was way
0: worse. Yeah,
1: yeah, but it's not her fight. No. It's like she, she's got the moral high ground as a terrorist because there was nothing else that she could do. Like, right. They talk about that in the first episode of the Maquis.
0: Yeah, but that's not you know. And it
1: doesn't entirely work that way.
0: Though. Once again, it's hard to sympathize with these guys because you know. Leave. Yes, just just leave.
1: Just go. And I think people I, get new houses every day. The, it's fine. There's the, a whole uh, there's a whole marketing thing for it. The
0: problem is if. We had seen all of these in order, the way, like, if we watched this first, before the next-gen appearance of the Maquis, and if we didn't know Voyager was coming, if we didn't know the Maquis will come up again in DS9, I probably wouldn't dislike them as much as I do. Mm -mm. Like, I'm projecting a lot of what I know about them later on this.
2: Something that uh, you pointed out that does make the Maquis more likable is the fact that it's not, like, a humans-only group. It's, yeah. It's a blend. Yeah, there's
0: a Bolian in the group, and there's a Klingon, and there's another yep. one I couldn't there's, identify. And there's
2: Vulcans. And yeah. There's, there's, it's, so it's not like we are human guys doing this thing. It makes them more likable and less like Mollity Rebels because there's mm-hmm. a bunch of different races. Yeah, and they're
0: not all wearing the same, like, discarded from a heavy metal video outfits <laughs> <Yeah>. and flaming <laughs> trash cans. And, and as Flonk pointed out, we, do, we did set up the political situation here. Like, this is at least something... This is a situation we've seen before, and we're going to have to come back to. Like, it's, we do have a little more invested in this group than we do in other groups. And
2: it makes right. sense in the context of the show, because it's the Cartassians oppressing someone, so the Bajorans might not have a direct stake, right. but they have a sympathy for them.
0: No, like I say, in and of itself, these episodes would be more likable if I didn't know these guys are coming back on this show a bunch, and also going to be a mainstay of Voyager, and also be in a couple episodes of Next Gen. Like, they're everywhere, and it's just... they. I have Maquis fatigue, and it's not really fair, but it's, you know, that's just how I feel about them. That's how
1: these are the cards we were dealt. Yep. This House of Cards. From the House of Cards. The
0: House of Cardassians. <laughs> I,
2: I wish that um, Roe would come back. Well, Yeah but you know she didn't well, want to
0: Chronologically she's not part of the Maquis yet like that happens after this. Yeah, but yeah. we're going
2: to have more Maquis. But
0: after stuff. yeah, I mean, they, and we're being very vague about that on purpose. There's there's going to be some pretty big stuff that happens with these characters yeah. in the next couple of seasons. But I
2: wish she could come back cuz then we that would give us some give a care
1: stakes.
0: Yeah. The the only thing is your complaint about Cal is extra relevant because this isn't really a spoiler. The Maquis will come back and he won't. Yeah. That yeah. actor doesn't come back again. And yeah. it's like so the one personal face we put on this and we spent two episodes establishing, eh, Damaki are just sort of a faceless group of rebels. They're not they're not really anything personal yeah. which is kind of like
1: i mean they leave the guy alive at the end of the episode which apparently was like a big deal behind you know the, one
0: of the uh, writers said we should kill him that would be more poetic yeah. and and i think Berman said no and then he later said oops you were right
1: yeah see like if you got this guy alive this guy with a tie to cisco i mean bring him back yeah. you know make him like the guy on the other side of the phone
0: yeah i mean you might not
1: the Maquis show up
0: you you might not love the actor
1: no i don't but but we've established that he's got a, uh, like, a history with Cisco, so right. let's use that.
0: Right. But Why I'm, just throw him away? But if nothing else, we do have one great recurring evil guy, and that's Gul Dukat. And, yes. and this is the one where he's super fleshed out now and, and feels more like a real guy who, who will just show up in your house uninvited.
2: I'll yep. feel him like a real guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is all new to me. This is all, like, I, I was not aware you had this thing. About- I have
2: Cardassian fever.
0: I think it's just their voices, though, because, you know.
1: They do have wonderful speaking They voices. do have wonderful They
0: always cast voices. people with, with fantastic voices mm. for them.
1: This is why audiobooks are so popular on Cardassia Prime. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> audiobooks where the state always wins.
1: Yes, exactly. Yay! But Which... they're read so eloquently.
0: <laughs> uh, that's pretty much all I had. What about you and guys? And then in
1: the next generation, the same thing happened again. <laughs> I, um... This is sort of a just a
2: minor point, but um, the Maquis ships, like the... I don't know if they're supposed to be little fighters or little, like, personnel carriers.
0: Well, they're the they're things. standard Federation ships. Like, we've seen them in other, I think, in a Next Gen episode before. Like, they're just a, a basic design that it's civilians use.
2: The coolest, like, little ship that we've seen so far that the Federation has. Mm-hmm. Like, not... Like, I mean, some of the Federation ships are, are neat looking, but none of them are really sleek and cool because they're not supposed to be fighty ships. They're supposed to be, like, buses.
0: Well, and most of them are designed for space. Yeah. Like, these ships are designed to also go in the atmosphere, so they have to be aerodynamic, which means they have to look cool.
2: And they did. They looked like it was like, oh, look, a Federation ship or a, a Starfleet ship that actually kind of looks cool. No, they're not mm. Starfleet,
0: though. That's the thing. Like, they're they're Federation sh- Like, they're oh. civilian ships. They're not Starfleet ships. Well, they're cool looking. Yeah. yeah they're pretty cool.
1: We uh, got uh, Odo turning into something that's neither a cup nor a mouse.
0: Well, he didn't turn into it. He just turned his arm into well,
1: it. Well, he turned his arm into something that wasn't a cup or a mouse, yeah. and I'm really glad yeah. because... Yeah. The he, time Odo turned his arm into a cup was kinda of weird.
0: <laughs> he just reached out and bitch slap a maquis with the with his tentacle
1: arm. Was, yep. That was cool. Which is
0: exactly like what you should do if you're a if you're a security guy like chasing after guys. Like that's yep. that's a you know, it's a cool thing to do.
1: Let me shoot my tentacle at you. Yep.
0: And it was like I the way it was shot, like they didn't even use any morphing. Like they, nope. they, they showed the tentacle coming in from off screen and then they cut back to Odo and like I still understood like they didn't have to spend any money to do that cool thing. No. no it, it, like good, it, worked. it didn't look like
2: it didn't look like,
0: Yeah, man. but they pulled it off without expensive CG, yeah. mm. which was cool. Like, there's, there's a way to do Odo doing cool stuff without having to blow your budget, which was nice. It's not like they blew their budget going on location, though.
2: Mm. No. No, they did not. That doctor's office planet was really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Every, well, every
0: time they go to the planet of the potted plants, that's that's what well, you the say, it must be they, somebody's dentist's office. The fact
1: that they literally had to walk in a circle Yep.
2: Yeah, for their walk and talk. And the yeah. thing is, every, there's so much other good stuff going on. Like, they had, like, it wasn't a crane, ca- crane shot because it was, like, too short, but it was, you know, they did, like, some nice sweeping camera work where we're over top of the guy's head and then we close mm. back in on them. And it was just wasted because the, the yeah. set was so bad.
0: It, it wasn't great, but that's, you know, that's typical.
2: I, because we spend most of our time on the station, and the station looks really good. Uh, every time that we were someplace, it looks crappy, and Bejor looks good too. Like when yeah. we were down, but on in on this the, the Kira's haircut planet, it looked good. Like we were on, like we went to a park. Why didn't they just go to a park?
0: I don't know. I the thing is, we've gone to a lot of planets this season. This has been the season of like let's let's leave the station and do other things. DS Nine road trips. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's been a lot of that. There's been a huh? lot of two guys in a runabout going to a planet, uh, who could be match up this week, and and a lot of them don't look. Great. I mean, even like in the Klingon episode, yeah. like the the castle looked clearly like they borrowed a guy's big creepy looking house. They borrowed
1: a guy's castle.
0: Yeah. Well, except a castle in America, which isn't like a castle. It's just like a house they built to look like a castle. Yeah. Because we've only been here for about five minutes. Yeah. All Sorry, we don't like have any marquees. castles. Just like the Maquis. <laughs> someone moved me off my, my land, I think I'd be okay with that. As long well, as Well if I they were gonna give to...
1: you new land. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: I'd be fine with that. Um Alright. We need to we need to push forward. Any final thoughts? No. Nope. I, I have the Maquis. I have a quote, which all is right. a fantastic quote uh, from Ducat about the Maquis, which is basically how I feel about them as well.
1: Oh, that's right.
0: You're renegades, aren't you? <laughs> or so you'd like to think That, that just really amuses me
2: <laughs> uh, The Federation are so I mean, they, they, uh, the Starfleet guys are so bad at this stuff
1: Yeah Oh, I forgot, you're renegades
0: Ooh
1: Whoa.
2: Tough toughies He's and the thing is,
0: as great as he is at being sarcastic, he doesn't actually do that very often. No. And so it was extra funny to hear him not being sort of slippery and evil, but just plain up sarcastic. He's so yep.
2: dismissive. And yep. And um, the Vulcan chick tries to mind rape him without his permission, which again, that that always bugs me. When yeah. Bad. But he doesn't care. He's got like a crazy mental chastity belt and he's like, oh, are you trying to do this? Yeah. Well... Yeah. That, that's
0: that's cute. Yep. No, that, was, that was pretty fantastic. All right, let's push forward now to an episode that is not the critically acclaimed HBO drama The Wire, but in fact the Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode. The called. critically
1: acclaimed episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine.
0: Right. Oh, uh, and I should also mention, Sirach Lofton does not appear in this episode.
1: <laughs> so if you're playing the Sirach Lofton does not appear in this episode drinking game, take a shot. <laughs> if you're reading
0: Memory Alpha in order, you're very drunk at this point.
1: <laughs> you know... We haven't seen uh we haven't seen Jake since uh Gal Dukat showed up in uh Sisko's quarters. Maybe nope. he
0: did take him. No, he wasn't in that episode. We, we we heard about his whereabouts off screen. Yeah. He wasn't there for like several weeks before that.
2: My uh, theory on that is that they let Worf babysit him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the problem is if Worf loses sight of someone, he can't remember the kid's name, so he can't say computer, locate Oh, oh shit. No. Uh,
2: Cisco's kid
0: please specify oh. Oh.
1: the name Wesley is ringing a bell <laughs> <laughs> locate Wesley
0: <laughs> Wesley is off having space adventures with the traveler
1: oh. Cisco will not be happy to hear that news
0: <laughs> Cisco it's about Wesley who <laughs> all right see
1: that's what I've been saying <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right Amanda tell us about the wire
2: okay. Uh, Given my long-standing quarrel with Star Trek and its refusal to admit that there's such a thing as homosexuality, I won't be making even one gay joke in this summary. Even though we start out with a totally platonic date between Garrick and Bashir, a standing, totally platonic friend date that they've been keeping for the past year. This time, their standing, totally platonic friend date with no sexual (laughs) tension on either side is cut short by Garrick having a suspicious headache. And, uh, like all suspicious headaches, it's not just a headache. Garrick waves off Julian uh, when he tries to help, but Bashir is an idealistic member of Starfleet, where everyone must always be helping, always! Garrick gets sicker, and Julian becomes more insistent and nosy, following Garrick around, eavesdropping on his conversations, and slyly taking medical scans of his head. Finally, Garrick collapses and Julian is able to get his mitts on him, in a purely medical way. It turns out that Garrick has some kind of chip lodged in his brain, and probably in his shoulder, too. As a simple tailor, he doesn't know how it got there, and would Julian please stop asking? Since Garrick isn't talking, Bashir checks in with everyone's favorite fascist, Odo. He reveals, to nobody's surprise, that the Cardassians have the biggest, baddest, most terrifying secret police force in the galaxy, the Obsidian Order. They give the Telshiara a run for their money, and Odo seems quite taping, taken with them. After rummaging around through Garrick's garbage, Bashir, <laughs> Bashir returns to his patient to find he's slipped his medically necessary bonds and gone home. Julian finds him, breaks into his house using his medical clearance, and Garrick is trying to shoot up in peace. But Julian's having none of it, and he takes away his hypo spray and his heroin spoon. I
0: think his heroin spoon's on his heroin forehead. <laughs>
2: Finally worn down by Julian's overpowering help, Garrick admits that he does have an implant in his brain. It was put there so that in the likely event he was to be tortured in his fulfillment of his tailoring duties, he would be able to block out the pain with awesome euphoric pleasure. Unfortunately, Garrick's been having a pretty tough time exiled from his home, surrounded by spoon-haters and without a heat lamp to keep his scaly blood warm. In order to keep him to get himself out of bed every day, he's been leaving the pleasure chip on. Ha. Huh. I guess he really didn't need that hypo spray. Like everything that feels good, leaving the chip on is bad for him. And Julian convinces him to turn it off. During chip withdrawal, Julian tenderly nurses him back to health, and he reveals and uh, Garrick reveals uh, several different versions of his backstory. Like so much the killing joke. In all of them, he admits to being the protege of Tain, the head of the Obsidian Order. After back after some more backstory time and watching some babies crawl across the ceiling, Garrick starts <laughs> to sober up. But it isn't as easy as that. All the euphoria juice has screwed up his body, and Julian doesn't know how to fix him. So, in a completely rational decision formed without any emotion stronger than that what's formed by a mild acquaintance, Bashir rushes off to Cardassia to confront Tane and get the information he needs to save Garrick. He gets what he needs by threatening to bore Tane to death by talking about tennis and racquetball and science. <laughs> um. Then he heads back to DS Nine and sciences Garrick back to health. We conclude with Bashir and Garrick enjoying another lunch together, and I won't draw the conclusion I normally would, watching Julian stare into Garrick's dreamy blue eyes, where it will be no homo at all.
0: (laughs) Not quite as good as as Flonks, uh, where where Dax will get in no tribble at all, but not not bad.
2: (laughs) It's traditional.
0: Right. It is traditional. Although it's traditional for the guests. Matt and I dropped that long ago.
1: We did. (laughs) Unless we can find a good place for it. But it is the guests favorite joke.
0: I think when we get to trials and tribulations it's going to be a challenge not to do it. <laughs> yep. But that's like season 5 or 6. Where there'll be
1: no nothing at ever. <laughs>
0: This was like I said. These two episodes focus mostly on secondary Cardassian characters, yep. and we, you know, we've loved Garrick since literally like what was it, episode two?
1: Episode two, Garrick showed up for the first time. Yeah, and he and was wonderful. We loved
0: him then, and you know, now we get apparently some some certain kinds of nerd fans were really not happy that we didn't actually learn specific uh-huh. true facts about his past. Yeah. When so like this, this is such a revealing about Garrick episode no it doesn't give you any facts but that's sort of the point
2: yeah no we learned so much about Garrick we just don't learn like where he went to high school but we learned yeah. so much about his character it's right.
1: so good and it's the, like it's like but that's all they want they just want something they can write down yeah
0: one day they're going to invent a thing called a wiki and I need to log where what his he did before he was on the station and if Sirrac lofton appeared in this episode
1: <laughs> How will I know what citation is needed?
0: <laughs> that's the thing. This character is unique in that learning nothing about him is how you learn more about him.
2: Yeah. Also, he's unique among Cardassians in that he doesn't seem to have Bajoran fever.
1: No, that's also true.
0: Yeah. There's actually, there's a uh, one of uh, Bashir's uh, Bajoran nurses seems to be really invested in wanting to save his life, which was really a surprise to me. I figured there would be this whole ethical thing, like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to save him, he's a Cardassian. But she seemed like, well, what about this? Why don't we try this? Well, we've got to try. And it was that like, turns oh.
1: out she's actually a pretty good doctor. Yeah, yeah.
0: which is nice. It's it's mm-hmm. nice to see Julian <laughs> has a good, you know, Look, staff. We're, but also... we're
1: not all Worf. Or Kira. <laughs> yeah. I'm just willing to let people we don't particularly like die.
0: But we've seen a lot of Bajoran, like, every Bajoran we've met so far, when they're faced with the Cardassians, is like, let them die, who cares? And mm-hmm.
2: admittedly, I mean, it's not like the genocide happened a, a thousand years ago. The well, genocide, no, they just left. The genocide happened, like, three years
0: ago. Yeah.
1: Well, like, Kira talks about how she was in the, she was in the resistance last year, mm-hmm. so. Right. No, like, that's but, still pretty fresh.
0: And so it's extra nice to see. And they, the episode didn't really call attention to it. No. It's just a, a nice little detail I noticed.
1: But mm-hmm.
2: that's, that was nice that it didn't call attention to it. It was subtle. Like, yeah. This is more important. I agree. Feeling someone's more
0: important. And the thing is, this episode, while it was great, while it was among my favorites so far, was not subtle. <laughs> no. I mean, uh, uh, Garrick does, uh, Andrew Robinson does enjoy the taste of
1: scenery. Yes, he does. Oh.
2: (laughs) The thing is, he's really good, but sometimes that stage thing comes out a little bit too much. Well,
1: let's... uh, Matt, this was your good thing, right? It was indeed my good thing. Um, yeah, so, uh, Andrew Robinson just acting his ass off in this one. Like, holy Christ. And I mean, okay, yes, he hams it up all over the damn place. Like, when he has his, like, uh, when he has his seizure and while he's yelling at Bashir, like, good lord. Yep. Just eating scenery by the pound. But you know what? I really like it coming from that character.
0: It, it we we buy it from villains and villainous characters. Like he's not a villain but he's still very villainous.
1: He's Plus, played
0: villainous. Yeah, and that's why you know we 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 excuse a lot of that and it works in context. Like it, yes. he's getting off a of drug addiction, so his emotions are all super amped up, mm-hmm. so in the context of the episode, I think it works for him to be a little more over the top than usual.
1: Yeah, like, he's most, most of the time, he's like a very sort of even-keeled character, you know, just yeah. like, ah, oh, doctor.
0: Oh, so you have a phaser pointed at me. Well, I have oh. one pointed at you. And yes. he
2: here makes a point of saying, hey, listen, the reason you're reacting this way is because your gri- your brain chemistry is all fucked up. Right. Which yeah. has nothing to do with his normal reactions. His right. His brain's all messed up. Mm.
0: Yeah, and so he that, that gives him license to chew the scenery a bit more.
1: And chew it, he does. Oh, yeah, he does. <laughs> and it's, it, it is delightful.
0: It, it's not like when Shatner did it where we're like, oh, I want to like this show but, ugh. Uh.
1: Om nom nom.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, this was, just, again, because he's played a bit villainous, it, it, it's a little more acceptable. Mm-hmm.
1: He's but, also like, like, He's got he's got like I think three separate speeches in this episode. Yep, and they're all great. Well, and they're he, all done with like a different emotion. Yep. Well, he's, like the first he's, one, he's freaking out. The second one is like he's uh, like he's pouring his heart out to Bashir. Mm-hmm. I forget what the third one is. Well, Maybe he was happy. He's got
0: he's got all the different uh, speeches. Like I think there's three different like um, backstory. Like here's what really happened. Yeah. And then here's what really happens. And every time Bashir completely believes him. And every
2: time, there might be something in there that's true.
0: Well, he says at the end. He's he's like, well, which which one of these was true? Well, all of them.
1: Yeah.
2: I, um... Even though it's probably not true, and Star Trek doesn't have any gay characters, I think... This the, the love story like I think it would have been a nice love story to have the two guys who Tane made as proteges who were working together they sort of fall in love and then one of them has to betray the other I think that's a nice Cardassian love story.
0: Well, yes, you could this... do that with a male and a female too. You could,
2: but they made a point; like, it was both dudes. You know, well, yeah. in the story,
0: and it him. turned out being a lie because the other yeah. guy was named Elam, and it turns out this guy's name is Elam Garrett. Yes. yes, like that's not that was there wasn't a second guy.
2: No, but that I think that sounds like. That's how Romeo and Juliet would play out on Cardassia, Yeah, mm-hmm. where one of them betrays the other and is exiled, and the other guy's fine.
0: Right. Yeah. No, that you're, you're right. But that, that wasn't really in the episode. That's just sort of you projecting.
2: It, it is. It's me projecting my hopes and dreams.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm sorry. But we have- Your hopes and dreams are for naught. Yes.
0: We have to review what's in front of us,
1: not what we wish it was. <laughs> no. If that were true, this would be the post-atomic horror beta. Yes. <laughs> nice. The yeah.
2: um the other thing is that uh, that I sort of have noticed going on is that the only truly sort of egalitarian races in this universe are the evil ones.
0: Well yeah, we've seen the Cardassians and the Romulans both have like their their commanders out on the frontier be ladies. And it doesn't mm-hmm. matter.
2: Like they just don't talk about gender. It just doesn't like it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. So I think if we did have any race that was likely to be like, whatever, I don't care what sex you have sex with, it's probably gonna be the Cardassians. Maybe,
0: but on the other hand, a a, a strict totalitarian society probably it, it depends on what their actual values yeah. are, but they're gonna enforce those values as part yeah. of state dogma. Well, yeah.
1: Homosexuality is no good for the state because you don't get kids out of it. Yeah,
0: you're not breeding good, loyal Cardassian children that way. Yeah. Of course, they could be like the Greeks, where they breed with their wives and they have sex with men for pleasure. Yeah. Mm. But I I don't know. We're speculating. Like yes. as as you say there are no gay people in Star Trek I hate to admit that but (sighs) Mm -hmm. the early 90s they they weren't brave enough to put it on TV they were just like nope people don't want to see it so we're not going to do it
1: I mean if you look up homosexuality on uh, Memory Alpha just all all it says is there are no gay people in Star Trek
0: (laughs) and also Siric Lufton is not in this
1: episode (laughs)
0: This this was fantastic though, and, and um it was just as much a Bashir episode as it was a Garrick episode. At the end of season one, we said this show is a lot stronger than Next Gen was at the end of its first season. Like I got a good feeling about Odo and Quark and Cisco, like yep. uh, every uh, so many things are in place. What we said was they need to fix Dax and they need to fix Bashir. They fixed Dax and they've gone well on their way with this episode to fixing yeah. Bashir. They they this really is-
2: and I I don't love Bashir. I feel sort of the same way about Bashir that Sisko does.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he, he's necessary. Yeah. I don't think anyone could hate uh, Bashir as much as Sisko does. <laughs> that's true.
2: But I, I liked him in this episode, and actually my quote is...
0: Uh, well, yeah, let's th- about how likable he is. Yeah, but how oh, likable he is. Let's, uh, let's, let's play that here. Doctor,
1: did anyone ever tell you that you are an
0: infuriating past Chief O'Brien all the time, and I don't pay any attention to him either? Yeah, that's that is delightful. And, and and a little nod to the Bashir Chief O'Brien, like uh, evolving friendship. friendship. Yeah. Yep. But I this was like we were talking about this earlier. It's like taking two things that define him, a, a, a well-established relationship with with one of his better friends and his job as a doctor. And playing an episode out of that, like the they didn't suddenly invent someone we'd never met before. They didn't suddenly give him an interest we'd never seen before. Like these these were this episode was quintessentially about what Bashir is. And yeah, he's Garrick's friend and he's a doctor.
2: anyone else shoved into this, right? Like it wouldn't have worked if it.
0: If no, if was, they hadn't been laying the groundwork since yeah. literally the epi- the first episode after the pilot. Mm-hmm. Which, I, I just, it really works well, and, and they're well, like, I wouldn't say he's now as fleshed out as Dax was in those two episodes recently.
1: No, but it's certainly a step in the right direction.
0: And we also feel like, while he's naive, he's sort of turned a corner and maybe started to ask some questions and not be so naive.
1: Yes, like, why doesn't Chief O'Brien like me? Well, <laughs>
2: <laughs> though he still, when he's talking to Odo about the Obsidian Order and all of the secret police stuff, he's like, well... Why would why would Garrick have an implant in his brain? What does that have to do? Yeah
0: Odo's like, uh, oh, the obsidian order is their secret police and and Bashir says, well, what does that have to do with Garrick? Like are you kidding me? Really? <laughs> really <laughs> you you can't connect these two dots that are literally right next to each other.
1: You know Doctor, someone already put the line there too. All you need to do is look at
0: it and they're labeled one and two. <laughs> yeah. You're not Cisco. <laughs> you know two comes after one. It does. This changes everything! Who'da lie! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, but I mean, uh, and Amanda, you and I talked about this like while we were watching the episode as well, that he's naive in that way that Starfleet people are. Like, he wants to believe people are good people. And it's an, it's another nice way this show sort of takes Gene's vision and kind of says, yeah, humans are good, but not everyone else is. And he's mm-hmm. naive because of that.
2: Well, he comes from...
0: The perfect culture.
2: The perfect culture His family was perfect. Like, everything about his life Yeah, he was like
0: the top of his class or the second in his class at medical school. Mm -hmm. He chose to come out here to where everything was dirty and filthy.
2: He lived in a really insular sort of world where everything was all right and all the problems had been solved. And so it is kind of an interesting story taking that character and then putting him in this this imperfect world.
0: Yeah. Whereas you got a guy like Cisco, who's you feel like has been sort of on the edge before, and while he's a Starfleet guy, he's probably dealt with ambiguity in his life, and he knows how to handle it. Well,
2: he's been in war, and he's suffered loss, and like, yeah, he's and you got a guy like
0: real life. you got a guy like O'Brien who has fought in a war, yeah. and you got you know like different guys can handle it better than others, and Dax who's been through all of it, but Bashir hasn't, and it's it's just, it's nice it's nice to have an episode where he's got to be the one to dig up what's going on with Garrick.
2: And I like that he's not a like this is normally sort of a child character. Like you put the naive kind of yeah. younger but he's he's not that young.
0: Like, no, there's there's an episode uh I think next season where he turns thirty. Like he's yeah. in his late twenties at this point. Yeah.
1: It's twenty seven when the show started? I think so, because yeah. I think he and Dax are both He's old to be this
2: uh to be this naive.
1: Yeah. Well that's what happens when you grow up in the Federation. Yep. And I mean I guess he went straight from uh uh Starfleet Academy is Starfleet Medical so like yeah. he yeah. probably hasn't left this is the first time he's left earth that's that's the it's little the speech
0: location. we got in the pilot yeah yeah. Yeah, and he, he doesn't really go on, like, he goes to, like, resorts to have sex yeah. with ladies. Uh-huh. He goes to Vegas to bang showgirls, and then yeah. he comes back to the station.
1: Yeah. It's it in it, 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 Star Trek. Well, well yeah. Brings his a, little statue. I
0: I don't think, I think Rice is more like uh, the Bahamas or the Virgin Islands. I don't think it's mm. like Vegas. I think Vegas would be somewhere, probably somewhere run by Ferengi, I would guess. So
1: you're saying you can't find a magician on Ryzen. That makes <laughs> me sad.
0: Well, no, because they've, they've all disappeared. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry that I've suddenly been. Uh, i suddenly dazzled the... by magic. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of of, uh, of Star Trek having magicians in it, but the costumes really haven't changed
0: in in 300 no. years. They're still wearing the top hats, exactly, and the tuxedos.
2: Data probably likes them.
0: Oh yeah, he's probably gone down to the uh, down to the holodeck to practice. You know, making
1: like... a cup disappear.
0: <laughs> yeah, pulling coins out of Geordi's ear. He uses
2: He makes the cup disappear. Yeah. Cup, mouse, cup,
1: mouse. (laughs) Hot dog, igloo. (laughs) Abraham Lincoln.
0: (laughs) Find the lady, find the lady. (laughs) Yep. That's I I don't I can't picture I don't know maybe Jake would have a brief flirtation with it. I can't picture any of these other characters really being no. into magic, no. you know. Maybe maybe Jake.
1: Data was definitely into magic yes, for a week though. Yes, me, he so. definitely
0: was. I'm picturing Jake I, I often sort of superimpose Jake over George Michael Bluth <laughs> in that sort of awkward teenage way.
1: I could totally see that, right? Where
0: he'd be like, "But it's a fantastic mind
1: puzzle, dad." <laughs> <laughs> Running a little uh, banana stand on the promenade. <laughs> No J Industries.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, Mr. Manager? I'm <laughs> Mr. Manager. We just say manager.
1: What did we always say was the most important thing? <laughs> Breakfast. <laughs> Family.
0: Oh. Right, the other
1: thing. They actually have a lot in common. As yeah. You mentioned it that's what I'm crap. saying in my
0: head. He's he's in that same category. They're they're similar characters.
1: This might be the Data and Jordy in the morning of
0: DS9. <laughs> just just gangly awkward teenagers. The thing is he doesn't have a thing with his cousin
1: is That's yeah, true. Well, we possibly. don't know that. Maybe that's why they left Earth.
0: Cisco <laughs> had a nice thing going at the shipyards in uh, Utopia Planitia until uh, cousin maybe moved in and uh,
1: <laughs> they had to go. And her sister Shirley
0: He's been he's been threatening to leave for years. That's it. I am out of this family, but he finally did it.
1: So DS9 is Phoenix. Yes, yes. exactly.
0: <laughs> uh so uh. what was your good thing, Amanda?
1: Um, this
2: I, I love Cardassian episodes, and it was hard to pick one good thing. There was so much stuff. Yeah, it was. Um so I'm gonna go with the fact I mean this episode wasn't subtle, but there were a lot of nice little subtle touches like like we were talking about with the Bajoran nurse, and we had um, Garrick's tailor tools spread out on his desk, and they look like torture implements. Like he treats them. The and yeah, Matt and I, neither of us, spotted
0: no, that, that. was you really the- cool. I didn't notice that at all. And yeah.
2: th- I mean, and we've got Tane's house looks like a house. It's full of different stuff, and I mean, and we've got Garrick's makeup. Uh, they made some sort of slight changes to that, where um, he looked sicker as he went along. Like, they, instead of his eyes being gray, they added a little pink to make them red. Yeah, see,
0: to and me, it looked like they didn't apply flushed. the... It didn't look like they applied the makeup around, like, you could just see sort of his human skin under, but you kind of pointed out, no, it was more of a, a, a pinkish gray. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then when
2: he's got sicker, his neck ridges look bruised. Like, it was just a lot of, like, and nobody pointed any of this out. It was just stuff there to, to see. I think mm-hmm. on a
0: show like Star Trek, it's a lot easier to make an alien look sick than a human. Like, yeah. you know, you you can you can exaggerate things a little more yeah which but is it, nice
2: everything just everything looked really fleshed out and it looked that's one of the things i love about deep space nine is how full everything looks we don't go into an empty room
0: well that's the that's the big advantage of this show is you have to see all these characters every week and so they add a little detail every time because they're going to be sticking around and yeah. you know it's nice that yeah garrick's quarters looked like garrick's quarters not like a room with a poster of deep space 9 on it. <laughs>
2: Picture of itself on itself.
0: I think no, that's, I, that's Cisco's quarters. Oh right. No, he <laughs> He's gotta doesn't remind himself where he lives. He had what did he have up? I don't remember. It was something He had one
1: of those uh he has one of those charts that you have in elementary school that's just a list of the numbers. <laughs> So he can remind himself oh, they're like day. They're like
0: anthropomorphic numbers with like eyes and, al- yeah, and arms yeah. and One, stuff. Yeah, One,
1: then two, then three. <laughs> I can Jake's, do this.
2: Jake's got a multiplication table in his room and Cisco goes in there and just shudders. And
1: what goes, is that?
0: <laughs> he also
1: has five copies of Monopoly.
0: <laughs> He's got all the different, like, Cardassian Monopoly. Yes, like, of course. Yeah. You don't want to play Ferengi Monopoly, though. Of oh, course not. Or if you do, you have to be the banker or you just lose. <laughs> That's just how it goes.
2: And the person who gets to be the banker is the one who bribes everyone the most. Right, yep. exactly. <laughs> I
1: Don't, also like we... Oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, no, I was just going to make a dumb Monopoly joke about go directly to Oda's office, do not pass go. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead.
1: I also like we get uh We briefly talk about some of the Cardassian literature, which I think is a great sort of look into how that society runs it
0: actually turns into a bit of a runner I can remember from future episodes where uh uh, there's sort of this cultural exchange going on between Garrick and Bashir yeah because there's a there's a later episode which this isn't really a spoiler where Garrick's reading some human stuff and offers his opinion on it Mm -hmm. and it's it's nice because one it does give us a great look into the way Cardassians work but two it also makes sense that these two people from very different cultures are trying to understand each other yeah they
2: want to understand each other yeah
0: but it's like, you know, if you meet someone, like a foreign exchange student, that's here from another country that you know nothing about, and mm-hmm. you, you, you're friends with that person, you want to know about their culture. Like, I'm always asking you guys questions about Canada, but that's just because I think it's funny.
1: It, well, yes.
2: You just may ask questions so you can make fun of it. Well, I
0: look. A cornerstone of my comedy is things are one way here and a different way there. That's all Nick and Willikins is. That's
1: why you're always standing in front of that brick wall, telling people why stuff is different than mm. stuff.
0: Look, England be different than America. That's that's the <laughs> that's the cornerstone of our our most uh, long running bit.
1: England people be driving like this. Yes. Hello. <laughs>
2: And he's on
0: the, the other side. On the right, yes. on the wrong side of the
1: road. I actually... That comes up a lot in DS9. I like that sort of cultural exchange thing.
0: Yeah, I do too. Like, everyone
1: drinks Klingon coffee. Um, we get Odo reading uh, Earth crime novels. And for,
0: for this show supposedly being more about people who are jerks and not as, as, you know, nice as the ones on Next Gen, they seem more genuinely multicultural, which is yeah. what the Next Gen guys were supposed to be. And they were always doing violin recitals from Earth. Yes. Like, these guys... Are supposed to be the other
2: cultures exist,
0: right? But they but the weird thing is they're not supposed to be the ideal humans like like the next gen guys are. Yet they're more broad minded,
2: except Kira, except well, yes,
1: and O'Brien. Uh, O'Brien to some extent, he O'Brien has the ability to be. He just
0: doesn't like Cardassians.
1: Yeah, like, like uh, but I mean he full made some... uh, well, no one likes Ferengi on this show. That's true. But um, no, I thought uh O'Brien made some great leaps when they were keeping that uh Kardashian kid in his house, yeah exactly
0: like he's he's got it you know yeah he's he's it he his story is more of trying to overcome old prejudices, yeah like he's he's the guy who's set in his ways but wants to be a better man.
1: They kicked him off of enterprise because off the enterprise because he wasn't perfect. <laughs>
0: Because he dared to suggest that maybe they not have a violin recital or play,
1: yeah here you here you go, uh, chief O'Brien, you'll be much happier here with these dirty people.
2: <laughs> <sighs> these are more your kind people. your
1: sort
0: these people hate each other. oh, well, I didn't disappoint dis- you, did I? Oh no,
1: oh, no. you'll just no. disappoint
0: me less here.
1: <laughs> yes, this is where you'll shine, <laughs> <laughs> a diamond in the rough, as it were. <laughs>
0: Is that a reference to to his working class coal mining roots?
1: (laughs) You know what? If you want to take it that way, I'll allow it.
0: I was a bit of a leap. I don't
1: know.
0: (laughs) Amanda, what was your bad thing? Speaking of leaps. Oh,
2: bad things were hard to find in this one. This was seriously one of the
0: best episodes they've done so far.
2: I don't know. I'm not even sure if this works, but like we had... Uh, had the drink Kanar pointed out to us, like, two or three times before this episode. And it kind of looked like spoiled yogurt glop. No, it,
1: it comes out, like, thick, like yeah. like syrup. Yeah. My go-to was, like, chocolate syrup.
2: Yeah, and so it's sort of like a brown, like, thick liquid. And in this, it's like a really sort of liquidy blue drink. Yeah, it looks it's like, like, like Rommel blue and, Kool-Aid. and Kool-Aid. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, both of them are fine. I don't really care which is which, but it seemed odd that they would change it and the two there was an episode where we talked about it last week and then this week we talked about it again and it looks different i don't know mm.
1: i hope somebody got fired for that blunder <laughs> yeah. see it doesn't bother me i just prefer the syrupy looking yeah, it, yeah. it's little
0: little more just dis- like gross and alieny yeah.
1: and i like i like the idea of cardassians like being way into like stuff that's very clearly different than something we would want yeah
2: because their I imagine their sense of taste is probably different because they aren't reptiles, but they are lizardy. They're reptilian-y
0: mm. because they're, yeah, one of the nice little details that comes up in this episode is Garrick mentions a few times how cold it is.
2: It's always cold here.
0: Yeah, which is fantastic. It's mm. it's a nice little detail that like humans uh, have a different body temperature, and he's the only one of his race, so he can he can't really complain. But it's like no. it's always too cold
2: and like maybe the stuff they like is really sweet or maybe it's really bitter right like they prefer thick textures or whatever the episode mm.
0: did a really good job of sort of building a case for him being miserable there yeah which yeah. i liked like there it's were a like, lot like this of, is you
1: know, why you would
0: want to be on heroin well and that basically that was my good thing is there's something sort of classically tragic about A character that is so miserable that he has to, like, push the joy button to to feel anything. Yeah, and
1: and just leave it pushed for two years.
0: Something about that is just so, like, wow, that is... Like, it felt, I don't know, almost profound or something, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that's just... It it makes me look at the character a whole different way now to realize that he's been... He's been slimy and manipulative, but he's miserable. He hates it.
2: And this sort of fits into that whole kind of Orwellian theme with the Cardassians like that again it, that, that really works in that
0: yeah well and like I was saying like establishing the difference between the cultures like the the, literar, the, the literature exchange I can say literature is like emphasizing the fact that human literature is about overcoming adversity and Cardassian literature is about being you know being a slave to the state yeah. Being a and good how citizen. How great that is. And loving it. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the the book that Bashir reads is about seven generations of Cardassians being loyal to the state and then dying peacefully in their sleep. Yep. And then it happens again and again and again. Yep. I love that. And, and it's and, a
1: classic of uh, Cardassian fiction.
0: And you, yeah. you mentioned in your notes that apparently there's an actual Trek novel with that title.
1: Yes. It's about, it's struggle. actually about that kid, uh, the Bajoran ki- uh, Cardassian kid, apparently. Oh, nice. Yeah.
0: I don't know if it would be any good, but it's... A, I don't either.
1: It's just sitting on my shelf with about a dozen other Trek books.
0: That's an interesting thread to pick up on. Like, that's not... Like, following up with certain characters, I couldn't care less, but that one actually could be an interesting story yeah, if yeah. they did it right. So that's kind of cool. mm mm-hmm. uh, Matt, what was your good... Oh, you did your good thing. I did my good thing. Do you want to hear my bad thing? Uh, I You're like, so. no, I
1: don't. No. Yeah, go ahead. You know what? I suddenly don't give a shit what you think about Star Trek anymore. <laughs> And then you hang up. <laughs> well,
2: and then the show's over. <laughs>
1: Hundred and
0: sixty-eight episodes, in, it was bound to happen at some point. Uh,
1: Dax's plant at the beginning of this episode is <laughs> Dax's un-
0: five lines in the whole episode. Yeah. Unfortunate. I
2: think it looks like an alien sex
0: aid.
1: It's like a big sex egg with thorns on it. <laughs> alien the, sex egg. It's
0: it's not well. That that's clearly a band name, <laughs> Barry. Uh, but. It, it's not really a plot exactly, it's just a scene that she has yeah. where yep. she's talking to Julian before he goes and does something else. And yeah, she got this plant and it's dying and that, yep. that's it. But it looks all shitty. He,
2: all he does is scan it and say, oh yeah, you probably should do this. Like
0: No, he looks it up. Like, yeah, you know, like he looks it up in Wikipedia and says, did you try changing the soil because the soil on the planet is different.
2: She says, I mean, you know, she's a science officer. Couldn't she have scanned it and looked something up on Wikipedia?
1: Yeah. My my theory is that this is her weekly screw with Julian. Uh, yeah, that that <laughs> yeah. could certainly be it.
0: Which is why he can't get over her. Yeah, because she's deliberately fucking with
1: him. Well, the thing is, she just keeps calling. <laughs> and yep.
2: Garrick has a weekly screw with Julian appointment too. Like, that is, is true. That's something that everyone does. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's why. Uh, that's why Bashir and uh, O'Brien had to eventually become friends, so Julian could have his weekly screw with Chief O'Brien. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Now we we mean screw with, not screw yes. yeah.
1: with. No. no, there's
0: no gay sex. Right, of course.
1: I also like that Julian insists that uh, all of his friends show up on a certain day. <laughs> <laughs> he has to have a very uh, <laughs> he has to have a schedule of friendships. Right.
0: Well, did you sh- did you check the schedule? Because you're 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 not uh, you're not down for Wednesday. You're not
1: supposed to be here for two days. <laughs> Today is my rest day. <laughs> <laughs> it's where I sit in my quarters and think about how great I am <laughs> mm,
2: I have yes I'm very great my
0: <laughs> so my bad thing again really is hard it to come an up actual
1: bad thing because we've been no, having no, no, trouble no, I,
0: I actually came up with one My, my, my tenuous bad thing is it happens in this episode but it happens in others as well so it's not entirely about this episode so again you know <laughs> grasping at straws but once again, we have a character going straight to the heart of the Cardassian Empire, to their main yeah. planet, just driving over there and beaming into someone's house. Mm-hmm. Like, and Tane, they actually give uh, an Auburn Tane a, a line about this. Like, oh, I told the military you were coming. But it still just feels a little, like, too neat. Like, like we, this is the third or fourth time characters, and different character, Like, Kira's done it. Yeah. I, it, just go right into cardassian space not to the edge not to like the neutral zone but like straight to their home planet mm-hmm. and just beam down to someone's like in their house like that seems a little like for a, for a a culture that's so Combative and so like about surveillance. It seems weird that you could just do that.
1: Yeah, I imagine it's not impossible to get because no. I mean I'm sure Cardassia Prime has people coming and going all the time. I imagine their customs takes a while to get through though. Yeah, yeah. their
0: their Federation runabout is yeah. so like obvious. Like you know what it is. It's clearly yeah. marked with Federation market. he
2: goes down in his uniform too.
0: Yeah. And he beams directly into Tane's house. Mm-hmm. Now, again, there is a line of dialogue that says, I, I knew you were coming and I made this all happen.
1: It yeah, just, but you know what? It's just polite to beam to the guy's front door. Yeah, yeah knock.
0: Yeah, it, it just, it. I don't know. It, it's something that's come up a few times before and it kind of just sort of jumped to the foreground here.
2: Well, Julian has proven that he is not above invading everyone's privacy. That is definitely true. Sure. That's fine, houses. but...
0: but one week ago, we almost went to war with these people. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't be just, like, pushing into their space without permission.
1: Mm-hmm. That's... It's all right when I do it. I'm doing it for your best interests.
0: I mean, I mean, the Romulans, if you go to the buffer zone between the two areas of space, they will call you out. Yeah, there's a yep. guy
2: waiting there for you saying, uh-uh-uh.
0: Yeah, you're not allowed to be here on the borderline, but you're here. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Prove it. Yep.
1: Shit, he's invisible. <laughs>
0: But, I mean, that was, you know, again, not really something they did entirely in this episode. It was just something that's come up before, and yeah. it, it always kind of bugs me. Like, I know they're near Cardassian space, which is why the Cardassians invaded Bajor in the first place, because they're close.
2: Mm. And because they wanted the hot, hot, hot Bajoran women. Yeah, they all have
0: yeah. uh, Bajoran fever. Well, there's a there's a point where Quark's trying to illicitly obtain some medical stuff for Garrick. And he calls a gull that he knows, and the guy's like, "So you still got that uh, Dabo girl working the table, and like you got it too, huh?" Yep. You're all just into Bajoran women. But uh, <laughs> that guy incidentally sounded a lot like Adam West yes, to me. Yes, he did. <laughs> quark, you diabolical fiend.
2: <laughs> and he did the Quark thing too. Quark. Quark. Oh yeah, that's
0: quark. how the scene <laughs> opened. Quark.
1: <laughs> Catwoman.
0: So this is the first appearance of the Obsidian Order. Yep. Yay. Which is, yeah, they're, uh, as Amanda said, they're secret police. They're Tal Shiar.
1: They will be
0: back. And uh, it's it's cool because obviously they have that. Of course they yep.
2: do. Just yep. like the Bajorans have a church police. Right.
0: <clears throat> it's it's I don't know that, but uh, but it is an interesting uh, it is an interesting thing to set up, and and it'll definitely come back. Yep. And uh, this character Tane. Will actually appear again. He's, yeah, he's gonna
1: he's gonna be a big deal.
0: Yeah, and he's he's a very cool character. Like he's the retired head of the Obsidian Order. And yeah,
2: and you gotta imagine the guy who gets to retire yeah. from being the head of the secret police that isn't found like. Dead with an icicle shoved through his chest. Right, mm-hmm. you've probably got to be pretty bad Well, you're not.
0: You're not found dead with an icicle. The whole thing is, it melts. It's the perfect weapon. No, yeah. you're
2: found. You're found dead, and it's still in your, you. They did it in a freezer. They weren't really paying attention. It's so <laughs> cold.
1: <Yeah. laughs> well, the the idea was that then they'd blame it on Mister Freeze. <laughs>
0: Nora. 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 The cold, coldness of the. Cold. He was
1: just here, so <laughs>
0: that is true. He's dead. He's now. a pretty
1: good suspect.
0: No, except he's dead now. Yeah. Killed by the albino.
1: Yeah, and in real life. Yes. Also killed by an albino. Oh.
0: <laughs> with an ice pick. An ice yep. Pick. Or an icicle. What? No, it's an it's ice. An ice
1: it's an icicle, not an ice pick. Oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention either. They no.
0: use
2: the ice pick to get the sickle
0: Really, you can't just break it off with your hand.
2: Nope. You got to use the right tool for the right job. And hammer yep. that hammer in with another hammer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: This square peg isn't fitting into this round hole. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Give me the sledgehammer.
2: Well, you have to use your tailor tools to
0: torture someone. Yep. The uh, the guy who played Tane, like, the, I have yet to see a Cardassian miscast. Yeah. Yep. Like, the, both shows so far, Next Gen, Introducing the Cardassians, and now DS9, has not yet miscast someone. Like, every Cardassian is just perfect.
2: Well, and they've got, uh, they had a, a gull come in. So that was in the last
0: episode. Oh, in the previous no, this, uh, episode, we had a Leggett come in in this yeah. one. Yeah, the, which I guess as outranked yeah. Gull, I guess that's like an, an admiral, and uh, yeah, he was the guy who played the Klingon ambassador in uh, Star Trek IV, and I think yep. he was—I think he was in six as well. Hmm. James T. Kirk, renegade and murderer. He
2: looked like he had enjoyed a lot of eggy Cardassian pies.
1: <laughs> well, we've seen the inside of a Cardassian egg. It's full of fatty worms. Yep. <laughs> and-
2: actually that's sort of that but dal made the point that kind of makes sense um that you've got these sort of senior guys who get a little bit puffy and corrupted and well that's that's visual shorthand for
0: corrupt he's Mm -hmm. fat you know he's 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 a fatty fat fat (laughs) yeah
2: i guess i'm corrupt let's uh we
0: both we both need to uh get in touch with our morals i guess yeah (laughs) yeah this episode's running way late, guys. We need to we need oh, to start sorry. wrapping this I'm, up. I just love talking
2: about the credits. Not not that we so
0: have much. a not not that we're going to be yanked off the network or anything. I just I don't like for episodes to be two hours long. Is all. Oh
1: wow! Look at that.
0: I don't I don't want someone looking at their iPod and saying, "Whoa, this why is, are they still talking?" Yeah, I, I'm not listening to this.
1: And why is there 40 minutes of them discussing how long the episode is?
0: <laughs> and then 10 minutes of references to shows I don't even watch. <laughs> House of Cards, Arrested Development, is this a commercial for Netflix?
1: Maybe. Maybe it is. DS9 is on Netflix. Yep. That's true. For you, anyway. Yeah. Oh, it's not for you? That sucks. No, no, we only have uh, the some of the Trek movies. That doesn't make any sense at all. I agree. Yeah, they I'm signed kind of deal pissed with... off about it, if you want the truth. <laughs>
0: if they signed a deal with Paramount, they should have gotten everything.
1: Yeah. You
0: would think, right? No. But no. no.
2: And just the bad Trek movies.
0: Yeah, you just get Five and Nemesis. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, um... The second new one in the darkness. Oh,
0: it wasn't that bad. Uh, don't be, don't be one of those guys. i didn't say it was that Worst bad. Worst trick movie ever.
2: It's yeah. definitely in the bottom percentile, the bottom quarter. It's in the bottom
0: half, yeah, yeah. But it's it still had a lot of good things about it. You had a
1: good first half.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, apparently Chris Pine just got arrested for uh, DUI. Oh, dear. The other day, so Do that's... you still find his eyes as dreamy blue as you did before you knew he was a drunk driver? He's, oh, he's a renegade.
1: Okay. Was the cop all like, what is your name? <laughs> Citizen, what is your name? <laughs> James Tiberius Kirk.
0: <laughs> all right, any final thoughts? I think we're done here. Very well, Amanda.
1: No, I think I've talked
2: enough. I think I've had enough attention for one day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh as, as we've been alluding to the emerald city comic-con is coming up march 28th uh 29th and 30th uh we will be there we will be at table h h something oh one i think i don't know go to h and we'll be there we're not, yeah. you know it's it's not hard to find us we're the we're the guys with the with the puppets
2: yeah I'll be there
0: too. You you will be there in a Star Trek uniform. Yep,
1: taking indeed pictures. you will
0: taking pictures, which will be fantastic, and uh, should be a good time. We're we're giving away free CDs, we're giving away buttons with the with the logo on it, and we're selling our new episode guide. Should be a good time. And next week we shall speak to our good pal Irish Gav. So look indeed forward to we that. Will. And with that, we're gonna go now. Matt, do your thing.
1: See you, folks. <laughs>
0: The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.